you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. So as, uh, as we're going to do together, and you'll get to a chance to read Luke 1 again on uh, December 1st, um, <clears throat> and as, we, as you go through Luke, if you take the Luke 24 challenge, um, one thing that you'll notice is that from the very start of the gospel to the end, um, there's a, a kind of a thing going on where... Uh, God's goodness, God's light, is sort of breaking into dark places. Um, uh, you know, and, and you'll notice again and again as you read through the gospel, uh, as you learn about the life of Jesus, you'll notice that uh, Jesus encounters dark places. He goes into dark places. And when I say dark places, I mean uh, places where people are hurt, where people are struggling, where things uh, are, are not going well. And as he walks into those places, um, uh, places of cruelty, places of pain, um, he brings uh, this light that just um, totally changes the situation. You'll notice that uh, Jesus goes to places where people are hungry, and then people aren't hungry anymore. He goes to places where people are oppressed um, by uh, the forces of evil, and they're set free. He goes to places where people are sick, and they aren't sick anymore. So the Gospel of Luke, from start to finish, is this, this picture of what it looks like when, when, when impossibly bright light goes into impossibly dark places. And so uh, Luke wants us to see, and as you read it, you'll notice this, he wants us to see how Jesus' presence uh, uh, changes things. And so you'll, you'll notice that it, it doesn't shy away from how dark the world can be. Um, one of the things that as a, um, somebody, I grew up a, a Christian, um, I grew up going to church, um, and one of the things that I didn't find out until later in my life, um, because when you're a kid, they only tell you the good parts of all the Bible stories because the other stuff's a little weird and it's hard to kind of get your head around. Um, I didn't realize until much later in life that the Bible is, is shockingly honest about how difficult, dark, and cruel the world can be. Um, it, it doesn't pretend that it's not. It doesn't pretend, um, it, it's not a pie-in-the-sky kind of book. And as you read Luke, you'll, you'll find that. You'll find a lot of honesty about the darkness, pain, and cruelty of, of the world. Uh, but the question becomes is what happens when God's goodness encounters darkness and cruelty. And, and so the whole Gospel of Luke, um, it, it's sort of uh, focused on on fulfilling, there's this promise in the Old Testament, and, and I'm just going to uh, sum it up. I've got it on a, on a slide right there. Uh, it's from Isaiah 9, verse 2. It, it says this, and, and this is this hope for the future to a group of people that were living through a dark time. Uh, the prophet Isaiah wrote a lot, but he also, he wrote this. This is this, that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And so at Bethel, as we light candles, as we read uh, Luke together, as we get closer to Christmas, um, our focus on Sundays is going to be what happens um, when light shines on those living in a land of deep darkness. Um, and uh, for me, you know, my, my natural tendency 
And if you've known me very long, you've probably seen it. Um, uh, when I encounter the dark, difficult, and impossible situations in life, um, uh, I'm left to my own devices. I either, I either pull into myself and get quiet and go to kind of despair and hopelessness. Um, or, or on the other side, um, uh, we, I, my natural tendency is to just avoid it, to paper over it, to, to try and find one good thing and focus all my attention on that and, and look away from the darkness. But, but our God and our Bible seem to believe that in the land of deep darkness might just be the best place to see God's light. And so over the next four weeks, as we get closer to Christmas, we're going to retell stories of God's light coming to people who live in lands of darkness. And so the first people that we're going to focus on today uh, that are living in a land of deep darkness, uh, Luke uh, brings us a story of an old priest named Zechariah and his old wife named Elizabeth. Um, And it's important that they're old. The scripture uh, reminds us of that a couple of times. And so there's a story about this priest. Uh, um, Now, it when I tell my confirmation kids, a, a priest's job, a priest is a middleman, right? So their job is to go uh, be a go-between, uh, to stand before God on behalf of God's people, uh, because God is, is dangerous, uh, God is unpredictable, God is so good and so powerful uh, that uh, you don't want to just go walk up to him, uh, in, especially uh, in, in Jesus' day. You want to you get somebody to do it for you, and so that's, that's a priest's job. Um, his job is to stand before God on behalf of God's people. And so Zechariah, this is what he trained to do his whole life. He trained his whole life to be somebody that stands between God and, and everyone else. And on this day, this special day, um, Zechariah is chosen at random uh, to go into the temple uh, where, where you approach God in the ancient world and to burn incense and pray a prayer on behalf of God's people, right? His job, God's people, Uh, need something from God, they need to communicate with God, and so they send Zechariah on their behalf, and his job is to carry their needs and their prayers and and bring them before God and and also um, uh, worship God sort of on their behalf. And so, uh, uh, and you can read the story, you'll get a chance to read it all in detail, but I'm kind of skimming over it a little bit. Uh, So he begins his job, he's chosen, he's standing outside of the entrance of the temple, and and so you can imagine if you're, you're Zechariah, your job, go in, burn incense, pray, go out. It is a huge honor, but it's, you know, kind of randomly chosen, and so um, he has this special job, and so he has all his stuff, right? He's got his incense. Uh, He's done all these cleansing rituals to prepare himself to go before God because God is so good and so powerful that if you don't do that, his very goodness is too much for us. That's the Old Testament understanding, Um, and so here he is. He's got all his stuff. He's done all the things he's got to do, And he's going into the temple to offer prayers on behalf of the people. And so as he goes, the people are gathered outside the temple. The story tells us they're praying uh, aloud along the walls of the temple. Zechariah is going in to get a little closer to God, uh, to to tell him him up close. Uh, And so he he goes in. And and Luke, uh, if you read the chapter, you'll notice Luke doesn't tell us um, explicitly or exactly what the people outside the temple are praying for. Uh, he, uh, He doesn't tell us that, but they're praying for something. Um, and in the introduction, we get a, kind of a clue about maybe what the deep darkness that is affecting Zechariah looks like and the, what the deep darkness may be that those outside the temple are walking in. And so uh, we're just going to skip chapter 1, verse 5. Zechariah is going in. This is the world that he lives in. It says, In the time of Herod, 
uh, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. I told you the Bible says they're old. Um, Foster this week thought it was funny when I told him that the Bible said he's an old man. (laughs) Um, They're both very old. And so um, we've got our, our thing here. Here's our two clues. Our two clues as to what is making the world dark for uh, Zechariah, Elizabeth, and the people outside the temple. And the first is the very first line. Now, if uh, you didn't grow up in ancient Israel or, or reading these stories again and again, you might not know that the fact that Herod is the king of Judea is, is important and it's bad. <laughs> um, uh, because um, Herod, uh, it's a, kind of a reminder of the political reality of, of Jesus' day, of Zechariah's day. Uh, and the reality was this. Um, the people outside the temple, Elizabeth and Zechariah, as they worship God, they lived under the, under the thumb of the greatest empire on earth, uh, the, the Roman Empire, and how empires worked in that day. Um, it's hard to keep everybody under control, and so you put somebody in charge on your behalf. And so they, they appointed Herod to be king over, over all these people. And so when Luke mentions the time, and then it's the time of Herod, king of Judea, he'll also mention another political leader later, it's to remind the reader uh, that this is a people under, under oppression, under, under somebody else's hand. And it's a reminder uh, for all of us. So, so Herod, and not only was Herod chosen by Rome, Herod was a, a, a kind of a bad guy. Uh, he was thought of as a, as a traitor to his people. And not only that, he was incredibly cruel, incredibly suspicious, incredibly selfish, and he caused a lot of misery in, in his day. Um, he built some really cool buildings, actually, um, but the way that he did that was by just taxing uh, everyone that lived and driving everyone into poverty. Uh, so uh, Luke reminds us that uh, Jesus is born under a dark king in a deep, dark time. Uh, and, and in these days, uh, the, there are fewer and fewer people as Jesus is born who are holding on to the promises of places like Isaiah 9, right? The world does not look good. Uh, The promise that maybe one day God would come in and set the world right and bring his people up uh, uh, to to bless the world seem kind of impossible. And so, so Luke implies for us by mentioning Herod that those few faithful gathered outside the temple, those praying outside the temple that, that Luke will mention, um, they're praying for, for a change in this. They're praying for salvation, for God to step in and make right a deep, dark situation. Uh, so uh, that's the first part. And the second part, Luke uh, puts our focus, so we, now we've got the big situation. He also puts our focus on this tiny, personal, and individual darkness that Zechariah and Elizabeth are facing. I, I won't belabor it, um, but that last line, um, those who have faced impossible situations like this know the depths of darkness childlessness can hold. It was no different for Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, Luke goes out of his way uh, to make it clear that they have done everything right, but still darkness and so as Zechariah is praying in the temple, he's come inside, he, he's lit his, his incense, it probably didn't look like that, 
Um, but he's praying on behalf of God's people. That's his job. He's to pray their prayers. Um, but standing alone in the temple, uh, before the altar with the incense burning as the smoke uh, rises to heaven, uh, we read that Zechariah might be praying his own prayer too. Uh, not just the prayers for the people, for salvation and safety in a new world, but it sounds like uh, he's praying his own impossible prayer that maybe his wife Elizabeth is praying at home as well because uh, in chapter or verse 11, uh, we get a, a little a little answer to that, because uh, suddenly uh, something impossible happens. Um, it says that an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right side of the altar of incense, and when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. You would be too. <laughs> um, but the angel said to him, uh, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you're to call him John. And I love this uh, line. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Uh, he's never to take wine. This is a, uh, has to do with him being a prophet or any other fermented drink. And he'll be filled instead with the Holy Spirit. Since even before he was born, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he'll go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn parents to their children, uh, the disobedient to the wisdom of, righteous, of the righteous, and to make ready a people prepared for God. So, uh, so something happens in both impossible situations in that moment, right? Uh, there's a child to an impossibly old couple and a child that might bring uh, bring the people of Israel back to the Lord their God. And so the angel tells Zechariah, he says, you're going to be a dad, uh, the father of John, one whose life is, de- is dedicated to preparing people for the arrival of, of Jesus, uh, for this, the big light, the light in the land of deep darkness. And so in this moment, the people outside and Elizabeth and Zechariah, uh, as they've walked through this impossible situation they've faced uh, their whole lives, God has answered their prayer in a messenger, in this baby, uh, John, who will grow up to prepare people for the arrival of Jesus. And this is um, one, of my, one of my favorite stories um, uh, for this, this time of year because I am so struck by, there's just something beautiful about uh, a person approaching God with a job to do and, and being unable to not also sneak in his own prayers to God, right? Right? You got chosen by lot to come as close to God as you're ever going to get in your life, and you have a job, you've got a prayer to pray, but you are not going to walk out of that room, <laughs> without telling uh, God about your own personal deep darkness, right, alongside the cares of his people. Uh, when, when the angel speaks, uh, Zechariah, he, he can't believe it. He says, how can I know this will be true? And so uh, the angel gives him a sign uh, by uh, taking his voice away from him until the baby's born. I think it's kind of funny. Uh, so he tries, he goes outside, uh, mute, and he tries to explain to those waiting outside with hand signals what he saw, and, and they presume, well, something must have happened inside, but they, they don't get it. And, uh, eventually, uh, Zechariah's service is over at the temple. He gets to go home to his wife, Elizabeth, and sure enough, Elizabeth becomes pregnant, uh, and she too uh, knows 
her age and her inability to conceive, but she has no problem, even with Zechariah's quiet mouth, Elizabeth has no problem figuring out what happened. Because unlike her husband, Zechariah, or um, Elizabeth immediately confesses her face. She says, the Lord has done this for me. I think this story is so important because in this darkness, um, there is something amazing about how God doesn't just focus on the big issues of the day. There's a huge problem that God's people uh, are facing. There's a huge problem that the world is facing, but God takes the time to make sure that John is a joy and a blessing to Zechariah and Elizabeth, as well as the people. It's not enough for God to save the world. (laughs) He insists on blessing people in the middle of it, shining light into big and small, impossible situations of deep darkness. And as you read Luke this month, I encourage you to write these down as you see them, but you will see it again and again and again. Jesus uh, helps people, he heals people, he cares for people, he teaches people that... that don't matter (laughs) to the whole story. He can't help but shed God's light and love in dark places. It's like, um, it reminds me, it's like if Batman like stopped fighting the Joker to buy kids ice cream. Like that's what happens in Luke. Like Jesus has a job to do and he bothers to talk to children. He bothers to feed people. He bothers to heal people because God cares about the big, obvious, important, and impossible situations of darkness, but he also cares about the small, the hidden, and the personal, impossible situations. Uh, As you read Luke, you'll find, and Zechariah reminds us that God is always shining light into impossible, dark places. He shines light in problems that have no solutions, There is nothing more crippling in the ancient world uh, than the problem of childlessness to a couple. In their culture, this is the biggest curse you can bear, and there is no coming back from it. But God shows up in impossible situations like that, where there is no hope, where people ought to better give up, put their dreams away, and move on. But here he is bringing light and joy And it reminds us that God wants to shine light in our impossible situations, too. Um, Since I I came to to Bethel fresh out of school with not a a clue in my head, um, over the years that I've been here, I have had the opportunity to sit with people, um, to pray for people, and to see a just unending list of impossible situations. Um, we all experience them, uh, and, and one of the things that's interesting about being a pastor is you get to hear about everybody's impossible situation, and people will ask me, they'll say, you know, what should I do about this thing, pastor, and, and I'll sit there and I'll say, I am, you know, when I started, I am 27 years old, I'm 26 years old, and I don't know, you tell me. And even now, um, I'll sit in those conversations, and there's a big part of me that wishes I could be anywhere but inside that room because I did not have an answer. I don't have an idea. Uh, I don't have good advice to share or a suggestion. I look at what someone describes to me, and I see impossible, deep darkness. And to be perfectly honest, 
There have been many times when uh, at a loss or after offering some small, ridiculous amount of help, my only response is, uh, I don't know, but we can pray together. And in those moments, um, for me, it did not feel like a good answer. It did not feel like a wise option or a solution to anyone's problem. Um, But that was all I had, (laughs) so we would. And that person uh, would leave my office or I would walk out of the hospital room and I would be disappointed in myself and praying uh, that God would work. But to be honest, as a pastor, not uh, seeing much more than deep darkness in that moment. But something amazing has happened to me in the short time that I've been here, because so often, way more often than is fair, uh, so often, and and I wish I could tell you each of these stories, but they are not mine to tell, Um, but so often, through no fault of my own or no work of that person, no great ideas, no solution, no wise words, later, after days or weeks or months or even years of praying for someone, we saw light in impossible darkness, healing in contentious and impossible relationships, transformation in families on the edge, people who needed financial help uh, returning to ask how they can help others months later, those who've experienced incredibly great pain, impossibly dark loss, seeing God and using their experience of God to care for others. My friends, I have seen impossibly dark situations turned around by the same God that opens the womb and raises the dead. Amen. So when we are facing impossible situations in our own lives this year, and as a phone call comes after phone call after phone call, and you think, why does it have to be like this? What am I supposed to do? When we're in the lives of others and every part of us wants to run away from that dark situation, to not be there, to give up, to distract ourselves, to believe there's no hope and move on. When people we love or when you are in these dark situations and every part of you wants to run away. When your friend is in the hospital or your family member is struggling financially or your spouse is wrestling with faith or your relationships are impossibly fraught and there is no hope for a solution. When you want to run and every part of you tells you there's no solution, no hope, and no way out, I want to remind you that we have a God whose light shows up best in impossibly dark situations. And that same God, he invites us as his people to show up and pray and shine light and love and care in the deep, dark places we'd much, much rather walk past and pretend don't exist. So as you walk in impossible darkness this season, and if someone you love does, and the world feels trapped, you are invited to wait for God's light with them in it, to bring God's light in your love and care for others. One way to accept this invitation that we're all invited to receive is to is to pray this with me. So I'd invite you to pray uh, this with me um, for, for this season um, or uh, for your, your whole life. Um, let's pray. Lord God, we face impossible situations. We see deep darkness. We try to do the right thing and we fail. 
We know what the right thing to do is sometimes, and we choose not to do it. We're unable to deal with our own sin and wickedness, and we're often unable to help anyone else in theirs. We need you. And so, Lord, we confess our sin, our failure, our shortcoming. But we believe that you brought your light to the earth, that you died and rose on our behalf, and that because of your sacrifice, we can be made new and transformed by that same light that shined to Elizabeth, Zechariah, and God's people. We believe that your son died on our behalf. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, change us and make us new. Make us into light people in the places that you call us so that we might share glimpses of your impossible light with the people that you put in our path. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. I'd like to invite the worship team to come forward. Let's conclude our service in praise. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream, and our in-person services at BethelCove.org. Thanks and have a great week.